All right, everybody. Welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, the only podcast on iTunes guaranteed to make you more attractive to the opposite sex. Ian, my brother, my partner in crime, my captain, my CEO, how are you doing? Dan, thank you for that beautiful welcome. I am doing great. I'm doing excellent, actually. What kind of news you got for me? What have you been doing last week there in San Diego, I presume, yeah? Uh, I've been crying my eyes out. Really? What's going yeah. wrong? Um, our main generating or our main revenue generating business is uh, has dropped off quite a bit over the past week. So yeah, yeah. So what we're doing is uh, pretty much crying under our desks. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, any any big plans to to deal with that, or am I going to have to fly home? What's what are we going to do here? You know what we've uh, what we've done is uh, figured out. Ways to get back in touch with uh, old customers that we haven't talked to in a while. We've uh, started to do some cold calls. We've started a couple new campaigns. And so I'm confident that it's going to pick back up in the next few days. But we're, we're really uh, working hard to uh, drum up some new business. And, you're, just, uh, you're just palping. You're looking for something to worry about is, is how I'm interpreting this, basically. Yeah, you know, I mean, pretty much. Things on this side of the planet are much more tropical, to say the least. Speaking of which, uh, David uh, from Tropical NBA 2 is a great fit. This guy is going to just be awesome. We had such a a fun time getting to know each other. We really rolled out the red carpet. Um, We made some sweet videos of us swimming underwater with this camera at Joel Runyon uh, was asking me what kind of camera that is. I don't know, Joel, but I'll post that. On the, uh, we'll get that linked up on the blog. So if you guys want to take uh, underwater pictures, it's surprisingly delightful to take pictures underwater. Something I've never done before, and uh, lots of fun. Yeah, I think I think the when actually you sent me those underwater videos, those are those are pretty awesome. When you sent those to me, uh, that was the day that we realized that no one was calling us anymore while you guys were uh, <laughs> <laughs> swimming around with uh, beautiful girls in the Philippines. Nice. Anyway, let's move on to some shout-outs. Yeah, we've got a lot of comments on the blog here. Uh, at Tony Ruiz on Twitter says, Our podcast rocks. And Tony, I must say I agree with you. Uh, Rob from Software by Rob uh, launched a new book called The Startup Book. I like Rob a lot, and I like his podcast, too, called Startups for the Rest of Us. So uh, thanks, Rob, for the heads-up on that. Eric gave us a, a heads-up on this dashboard software on the iPhone that we're both going to check out. It's called Rombi, and you can download that straight from the – I already downloaded that to my iPhone, and I've been uh, kicking around with that a little bit. So, Eric, thanks for that tip. Chris from uh, At My Egg Noodles, one of my favorite travel blogs, is being a smartass. Good to hear from you, Chris. Yeah, thanks uh, for that, Chris. <laughs> Joel from the blog of Impossible Things, that's Joel Runyon, uh, offers a uh, – there, there is a, some services that are emerging to compete with PayPal. Yes, we haven't really uh, gotten into that stuff. And we do have a drum roll. Here's a test. Boom. We've got a drum roll. Pretty cool stuff. Steve, thanks for the comment. Uh, Nate has been a long-term listener, and he said, is, have we ever heard of Grasshopper? Have we ever heard of Grasshopper? Oh, man. Grasshopper is awesome. We use Grasshopper all the time. We use it every day. We use it for all of our uh, online companies. So 
definitely check out Grasshopper if you guys haven't heard of that. Uh, somebody told me it was a little pricey and there was a competitor out there. I, I can't remember who the competitor is, but I would recommend Grasshopper. And that's their tagline, so I feel like I have to. We actually use a uh, competitor for the podcast, uh, a company called Call8, K-A-L-L-8.com. Uh, that's how we get these automated messages when people give us a phone call. The voicemail just sends right to my email address. Grasshopper also offers that service, but since they're different companies, the podcast and our core company, uh, we just, you know, we're not very organized with stuff like that. So, anyway, Adam, uh, Adam thinks we should sell our stuff on Bandcamp, but uh, we're already selling it on eJunkie, and eJunkie is sweet. So, Adam, let me know why we should do that. Alan, I, I really like Alan. He, uh, we, we talk a lot on Twitter. Thanks, Alan, for the nice shout on the blog there. So lots of good comments. Uh, last week I'm digging that. Uh, I think actually you know, doing a podcast every week can make it a little bit more topical. We can answer people's questions in a more timely manner. I really like it. I, really, I like the consistency of that. I like interacting with people on the blog. Fun, fun, fun. So we got a couple questions to answer uh, from the listenership first. Uh, so question and answer uh, session. At Eric, EMZ is uh, asking a question. He's thinking about buying a laptop. He needs to get a new one. Uh, He's been hearing the discussions we've been having about the MacBook, and he wants to know what our advice is when purchasing a laptop. Ian, you want to share with Eric, uh, what's your uh, approach to purchasing technology like this, and what would you suggest to Eric? My approach is this. I bought a very high-powered laptop probably about four years ago. Uh, with lots of graphics capability, and it was like the most it was the most like high powered uh, Dell you could buy at the time. It was four years ago, and it was f- around forty five hundred dollars. So it oh, yeah. cost more than my car, right? But it's uh it's kept up. So it's uh you know you can buy a laptop these days for around eight hundred dollars with the same computing power. But I'm I'm happy with my purchase. You know, and, and in your case, it was so situation specific because you're running SolidWorks, yeah. So you have to have like these high-end rendering programs and all that stuff. Suggestions in terms of laptop, I'm just going to come right out of the gate and say, get a MacBook Pro. That's my suggestion, Eric. Uh, It's the best computer that I've ever used in my entire life. I think there's two approaches to this. There's the Warren Buffett approach, which is basically, look, don't spend money on stuff that's not going to make you money. And in that case, yeah, the MacBook is much more expensive. So... And is that extra $1,200 going to make you money directly? No, not directly. It's probably not unless you're going to be doing, you know, unless these videos that you can produce on it really fast is going to start making you money. The other school of thought is one that I got from my friend, and I asked him, hey, buddy, why did you go out and buy this such an expensive computer? And he said, you know what, Dan, I look at my computer 10 hours a day. I want what I look at 10 hours a day to be beautiful. I want it to be the best. And that really stuck in my head. And, yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of big, fancy stuff, but I do power user. I'm on my computer all day long. I want it to be the best, and the MacBook Pro is the best. Anybody out there knows something that's better, you know, give me a shout. I'd like to explore, but that's my advice, Eric. It's expensive. want to work with the best. Now, if you're the kind of guy that uses a computer three, four, five hours a day, casually, whatever, yeah, you know, a Dell's great. A Lenovo's great. They work. They're fine. But a MacBook Pro is the best computer i've ever used and so that's that is my advice let me chime in real quick here against your macbook pro i have to say that dell has the best customer service i've ever dealt with i've had my computer break down days before presentations i've had parts air freighted in next day installed of course i paid for you know the gold service or whatever it was but their service is exceptional 
And if if you need a dependable machine, I've had very very few problems when I have had problems. They've always taken care of it. Next question is at David Crandall, who runs a blog called Heroic Destiny. I actually talked with David yesterday. Awesome guy. I know he's going to crush it. I'm absolutely confident that David Crandall is going to crush it. I'm making a prediction here today that David Crandall will crush it one direction or another. His question, which segs nicely into our meat and potatoes portion, is how to pick a niche that makes us money. And I think a lot of people are asking this question, especially in our lifestyle design niche here, because there's no money in the lifestyle design niche. I I can name about five or six people that are making money, um, small money, doing lifestyle design stuff, a couple that are making bigger, you know, Tim being the main one. You know, there's no money in this niche. So people in this niche are here to, it's the water cooler niche. We're sitting around talking, talking about identifying niches that can make us money. And just a couple quick things, both off the top of our heads. One thing, and what I just did is walk through a precedent case analysis. What are the precedent cases for other people making money? I mean, if, if nobody's making money, look, if you can't identify more than a lot of people who are, just move on to the next niche. So that gives you, that precedent case analysis gives you an opportunity to have sort of an attack mentality. So if you can find a niche where like tons of people are making money, figure out how you can get a piece of that pie. Figure out how you can outperform them. What new can you bring to that market so that you can get a piece of the pie of an established market. You know, a lot of us, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have like social media type skills. Bring that that whole approach of social media, which is to provide great free content, to build an audience, to develop a magnetic presence on the web, bring that to profitable niches that aren't utilizing social media. There's tons of them. Think about what you're currently doing in your job. I mean, you're getting paid right now by somebody. Those people are making money. Those are, you know, some places to get started. Uh, Most successful muses are based on successful careers. And that's something to think about. Most people that have really launched a successful muse have leveraged their career experience because, you know, salaries don't come from nowhere. Ian and I both know it costs a lot to pay people to work, and that means you're making money somehow. Ian, what are your thoughts for David on picking a niche that makes money? I totally agree with your point, and you should definitely leverage something that you already know or something that you're already making money at. One of the hardest things to do is to uh, come up with a new idea or a new market. And a lot of times, for some reason, when you're going through the niche selection process, I think even I have tended to lean towards solving a problem that might not exist or, or coming up with a new market. And and really, especially if it's your, your first niche and, and your first kind of way out of the cubicle, I think that you should leverage as much as you possibly can your, your current career or insider information or maybe a past career that you had. Sometimes there can be this association with your job as like it's – since it's your job, it's your trap. Like your muse has to be something that's totally different uh, because you want to get away from your job, right? But think about how much money your job makes you and if you could just – automate that income or outsource that income or make it mobile income, wouldn't you accept it then? Then it wouldn't be a a job anymore. It'd be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. I mean, uh, John Jonas, uh, who's an outsourcing uh, guru, uh, once said uh, in a podcast interview that I just loved this statement from him. And he's got a lot of real snappy statements. And one of them was this. He said, if I could do it all over again, I would have never quit my job. I would have outsourced it. 
and kept that as a stream of passive income. I totally agree with that, 100%. (laughs) So what do we got for the meat and potatoes today? For the meat and potatoes today, we are going to talk about one of the coolest pieces of content, one of the coolest articles that went up on the web this week, and it's by a real baller named Jason L. Baptiste, and he wrote an article, uh, a comment in Hacker News, which is one of my favorite places to go on the web to waste time and to, to hear about what other entrepreneurs are doing. The question that he was answering is how to become a millionaire in three years. And the points that he brings up are things that we've touched on before, uh, some things related to niche selection, actually, and they're just great points. So we'll link to this, his total post, but what we're going to do is we're going to pull out six of the points that we believe are the most important, and we're going to talk about how those things have influenced us and helped us to make money along the way. So you want to kick us off on the first point, Ian? Yeah, the first point in this is identifying the market opportunity. He's talking about how to make, how to become a millionaire. And I think market opportunity has a lot to do with that. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, we've chosen some of the wrong niches to, to be involved with, to be millionaires. And I, we're actually still involved in them. We, we realize that they're not going to make us a million bucks. You've really got to select your market and understand the market opportunity uh, from a revenue standpoint. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the classic business maxim that says nine out of 10 companies uh, track with the market. They are market indicators, which means that you grow uh, just as much as the market does. And I've seen that in most of the companies I've been involved in. And so you can make roll the dice that you're going to be the one out of 10 exception. But you really need to look at the overall market condition of where you're playing, of what niche you're involved in. And the chances are you're going to track with that market. So that's the other element to it. That's sort of the growth character of the market. You're talking about the size of the market. And that's important too. A million bucks in your bank account is a big piece of the pie. So you got to make sure that the pie is big enough. All right. The number two point that Jason makes is the inequality of information. He says, find a place where you know something that many undervalue. Having this inequality of information can give you your first piece of leverage. This is a classic, classic thing. And one of the things, you know, that people really undervalue is the knowledge that they currently have. It's really important to understand how much the information that you have could value somebody who hasn't taken the time to learn about it. And if you can, and the key thing is if you can find this in a market that's growing and in a large market, well, then you're off to the races. And that's why a lot of times it does come down to the career that you're in because that's so that's such a high volume of learning curve, you know, of perspective and understanding of something in a career. It can be difficult to develop that kind of deep market insight on the side. Uh, the third point that Jason makes is leveraging skills that you know. And he says you can go into new fields such as finance or whatever, but make sure you're leveraging something that you already know, like you're cross-pollinating from another thing. This is so common. Like people want to jump onto the latest and newest, the trendy thing. You know, if it's a trend, it's 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 already too late. Um, everybody wants to develop a web app, but they don't know how to do web apps, so they want to hire that understanding out. This stuff it rarely succeeds. You really need to focus on the kinds of things that you yourself can execute. In a business that's going to be successful, you're ultimately going to be the executor. You know, you're going to be the person that gets stuff done uh, to get this thing rolling. And look, if you can't make a web app, you need a co-founder who can. Uh, you're not going to hire somebody in, Eng- uh, in India that's going to just knock it out for you and uh, everything's going to be groovy. 
there's exceptions to that, but leveraging what you already know and valuing what you already know, I think are pretty critical uh, to getting the space. And I think, again, the reason that people tend not to do that is in your own head, you tend to undervalue what you know uh, to the general market. You know, you compare yourself with everybody else in your field and you're like, well, uh, I don't know that much. But when you compare yourself to the average person, you know a ton. Yeah. And the other reason is that people, they get a bad attitude about their jobs because they're jobs. And so they they tend to take their career experience and say, that's junk. I want to toss it out. I really want to go after this great idea that I have, you know, kind of thing. And that's cool. But you got to know, you got to have some significant understanding of, of how that new idea is going to affect a new marketplace. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the fourth point. Look in obscure places. This one's my favorite. Uh, we're often fascinated by the shiny things in the internet industry. Many overlook the obscure and unsexy. Man, we are in some decidedly <laughs> unsexy industries. <laughs> if your goal, you know, if your goal is, is, is money which a lot of our goal is money, uh, look at the unsexy. Most people, Ian, make their money on unsexy stuff. It's true. A couple weeks ago, I met a guy who's worth tens of millions of dollars from roach spray. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, talk about unsexy. Yeah, but talk, <laughs> talk about selling what you know. That guy, I would imagine, is a guru on roach spray and... Just like we're gurus on some pretty unsexy industries, the reason that we're in them, we said, is because we have insider information or we had prior experience. The number five point, be an unrelenting machine. I, I don't even need to read Jason's points here because I know that you're an unrelenting machine. Yeah. What's that? What's that mean? I mean, that's in your DNA. That's in my DNA. I think, you know... If you really boil it down, that's why we're here with our own business doing, you know, living this lifestyle. I mean, is it, would that not be just the number one point of this whole shebang? I, I think it's definitely one of the top points. Being an unrelenting machine means a lot of things. I think uh, it can mean not taking very much pay, if any pay at all, in the beginning or even halfway through. I don't know. However long it takes, basically. It can mean working 14-hour days. It can mean not going out with your friends on the weekend. It can mean not taking a vacation. It could mean driving a crappy car. It could mean living at your parents' house. I mean, basically, it could mean doing whatever it takes to get your venture off the ground and stable. You know, I've done everything you just brought up, except I never moved to my parents' house. But actually, I had that in my mind when I when I quit my first job. When I quit my first job, that was actually in my mind, Ian. I was like, you know what? F it. I'll just stay with mom and get this thing off the ground. I can do this. Part of it, part of being an unrelenting machine for me is like the thrill of the freedom of that lifestyle. The freedom of being able to just go for it. And the freedom of being able to define exactly what you want things to look like, whether that's your company, whether that's your, you know, your lifestyle, how you spend your free time. My fun has become my work. And you see that in a lot of people who are making it happen. And the four-hour work week really portrays a much different situation where you've got this kind of thing you set up and you, you spin in the top and it, it sends checks your way and then you do whatever else you want primarily the day. That's really – that's not me. That's why I like to listen to people like Jason Calacanis and everything because I am a machine. 
I'm at this shit every single day, and I love it. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're not having some killer fun uh, when we're done working. Being a machine's part of it, and sometimes you just got to take a fair barometer of yourself. Are you willing to work your tail off and do the hustle? Because that's the differentiator when I look at this stuff. I don't meet a lot of people who are just like, oh, I made a clever move, and now I'm rich, and now I'm flying around the world. Yeah. Everybody that I meet is hustling. And I know me and you are hustling. So to me, that's one that I really focus on. And take a fair inventory of yourself. Are you able to hustle? And that's you know part of the reason that I'm willing to put my money on David Crandall is I, that guy has been posting a blog post every day for like 60 days straight or something. It's like that guy can work. And I know that that's going to mean that he's going to be successful. That's In my mind, that's what it takes. Okay, number six. This is the final point. Be so good they can't ignore you. And this one... Is important, and this is about not asking for permission. You know how many? When I was in a band, you see some real bad business people in, when you're in a, the music industry. How many bands have I met just waiting for the permission of somebody to send them on tour, to give them a record deal, or all these permission requests? You know what? Screw that stuff. Just be so good that you can't be ignored, and that's something that you are in control of. I often give the example of um, this great track uh, written by Adam Dirtz of the Counting Crows called Round Here. You know, that song is so good that there's no way. He didn't need to ask for permission. People start knocking on your door when you write a song like that. And I think that business people and musicians alike you need to start asking yourself that question. Are you really that good? Are you good enough? Is what you're shipping good enough, uh, you know, that you can't be ignored? And, you know, don't sit around and wait for somebody to give you your opportunity. Create something that's better than anything else out there. You know, the Counting Crows, I think they got 15 record deal uh, requests or something. They're not like uh, you know, a lot of the bands that I've been in where it's just sitting around moaning about no exposure and not working on writing better songs. Just go out there and build the product that you envision and that you imagine and that you think is going to kill it. Go back to point number five and become an unrelenting machine and then start tracking them down. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they won't come find you. We've done some of that. (laughs) We've done some stalkerish sales tactics. No problem. I want to do another episode, speaking of which, about shady stuff that we're doing. I like shady stuff. Yeah, we're doing quite a bit of shady stuff, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I like shady stuff. You know, actually, uh, after the show, I'm going to have to tell you about a really shady idea that I got. I love it. Remember, one of the coolest conversations we ever had, and let's write this this down. Uh, We had a cool drive one time. We were driving up to L.A. or something together, and we had a conversation about if you were to make money illegally, how would you do it? Yeah, like what? I remember that. What kind of crim- what kind of criminal would you be? And oh, that was a good one, man. We had some fun, fun ideas there, and it, it was a little tempting to be frank with you. First off, let me just back up real quick to say thank you to Jason L. Baptiste for offering the world a wonderful, wonderful resource. Everybody uh, should go check that out. We'll link to his site. He's got a really cool company called Cloudomatic. He's a baller. Uh, definitely start following him. I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody that downloaded the first 18 podcasts. We really appreciate that. Since we've launched it, we've had some decent success with that. Putting that up up for sale. I really encourage everybody to tell their friends about that and help support the podcast. Yeah, it's great. It's been great. So thank you. Super cool. All right, we've got the quick tip section. 
or tips, tools, or funny jokes. So, what do you have for us today? Quick tip, resource, tool, what you got? I'm going to share with everybody one of my favorites, and I'm sure everybody, well, a lot of people have probably heard about it. It's this little site called Reddit. So, like, like many other Redditors are, I'm, I'm addicted to Reddit, and it's fine. That's why I'm here talking about it today. You know, Reddit and Hacker News, uh, they they uh, release a lot of the same stuff, or a lot of the same people you know, read both of them. But Reddit's just a really cool place where you can go um, hang out, read funny jokes, or uh, see, see on-topic discussions. Uh, it's got a cool section called uh, IAMA section. And it's where people come on and talk about their crazy life. So I definitely recommend checking it out. AMA is one of the coolest things on the entire internet, in my opinion. There's some great classics in there. Um, one of the really cool ones that I, that really sticks in my memory is when a McDonald's executive went on there. And they go on, people go on there anonymously and essentially say, hey, ask me anything. You just hurl questions. And it's you get to see... You know, parts of society that aren't you're not exposed to very often, like high-level executives or movie stars or people with like really strangely alternative experiences or lifestyles, and it's super fascinating. So uh, definitely, if you want to looking to blow some time on the internet, which I'm sure everybody needs more more avenues to blow time, uh, Reddit.com. But there's a lot of good in- entrepreneurial insight you're going to be able to get there if you search for business executives and stuff like that. It's really worth your time. My quick tip for the episode is Evernote. Evernote is an application for the iPhone which allows you to take audio, picture, text, notes of an inventory of your thoughts, and it syncs it with your online account. And this is important to me uh, because keeping track of my ideas when I have them when I'm walking down the street and ensuring that they get onto my laptop so that I can inventory them in the right place is important to me. And the notes feature on my iPhone doesn't sync with my computer. So Evernote is a great solution to that, especially with things like receipts. I can take pictures of my receipts, and that just syncs automatically with my laptop. And at the end of every month, I open up my Evernote account, and I just drag everything to my desktop, and I dice it all up. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. It works really well. There are tons of advanced functionality um, that Evernote can do. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a power user, I'm not quite to the power user level yet, but there's some really interesting stuff, whereas Evernote essentially becomes like a sort of a catalog of your life. Um, It geolocates where you had thoughts and stuff like this. But for me, it's really just a little hack to keep track of, oop, I just spent 15 bucks and it was a business expense. Like, where is that going to go so that... I'm going to remember it at the end of the month. Or I just thought of something that I need to tell Ian, um, and I just flip on my phone and I give an audio message. And that then gets sent to my account, and it's just there, ready to go. And uh, so Evernote's been good for me. You know something that I don't do anymore? I don't write I don't write notes on my hand. Did you used to do that? I don't know. I don't think so, no. I don't think I started taking notes till I got an iPhone. What, the, what, the, what was life before the iPhone? I don't remember. I don't know what it was like. It must have been a barren, nasty brutish place you know i'll tell you what it was it was a place where i used to write notes on my hand (laughs) (laughs) all right ian well hey another episode i'm really liking uh, doing it every week and that gives us a chance to interact with the listeners more if you want to interact with us the best place to do that is on the blog just come to the blog and give us a little commenty commenty and we will get back to you on that any parting shots ian yeah 
Thanks for listening. All Talk right. to you soon. Let's get back to it. Talk to you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.